For the first 35 chapters of his book of poetry and prophecy, Isaiah focused on the nation of Israel and God's dealing with them. But then, four entire chapters are devoted to the story of Hezekiah, king of Israel. These chapters provide a striking portrait of a godly man, one most of us would love to emulate. But if we look closely, we will see signs in this man that reveal a person occupied more with self than with God's own interests. Are we such a person? Stay with us today and we may see much of our own lives in the story of Hezekiah on today's Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program furnished by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Today's broadcast again brings us to the Old Testament prophet Isaiah and one of those classic presentations by Witness Lee that goes far beyond the surface and superficial understanding and really into the deeper, profound revelation in the Bible. Ron Kangas is here with us again. And Ron, we say this often, but it truly is incredible how these brothers were able to examine a seemingly easy-to-grasp portion of Scripture and see far beyond just the common wisdom. On the one hand, it is incredible because most of the expositions of the Bible are rather superficial in terms of the depth of divine revelation that is unfolded in the passage under review. Yet it's not incredible if we realize that the Bible has profound depths and if they are the proper vessels prepared by God who have some maturity in the divine life, they're able to help us to plumb these depths. Unfortunately, some who have only a superficial knowledge may dismiss as esoteric those that have a genuinely deeper insight into the Word granted by the illumination of the Spirit. We all need to have a heart and a spirit to go much deeper into the Word of God. And we should also have a spirit of humility to be able to recognize when someone has seen something we haven't seen or has gone farther than we have gone. And we should open to that and consider that prayerfully and carefully in light of the Word of God. Well, Ron, as we mentioned, we come today to a four-chapter-long section that's devoted to the story of just one man, King Hezekiah. We've had 35 chapters now dealing with the entire nation, and now chapters 36 through 39, all about this one person. There's a lot for us to learn about ourselves in these chapters, and to really get into it, I think we need to know the story of Hezekiah to some extent. So would you give us in brief a little encapsulation of the story of Hezekiah? There are mainly three things we need to keep in mind with Hezekiah. The first of these is Hezekiah's response to the threat of annihilation posed by the presence of a vast Assyrian army led by Sennacherib. In the midst of this threat and in response to a letter given him, he prayed a wonderful prayer, and the Lord answered his prayer in a miraculous way. The second thing we should remember about Hezekiah is his prayer during his illness. The prophet Isaiah came to him in the midst of his illness and said, you are going to die of that, and Hezekiah was desperate. He prayed earnestly. And God healed him and gave him, interestingly, an exact measure of 15 more years. The third thing we should remember about Hezekiah, what happened during those last 15 years in contrast to the earlier period of his kingship. 
Hezekiah made a display of the royal treasury to emissaries from Babylon. That was not so wise. And later, when the prophet came to him and spoke to him about this and prophesied that that treasure would be carried away to Babylon and even some of Hezekiah's sons would become eunuchs in Babylon, Hezekiah said, so to speak, very good, at least there will be peace in my time. So he had a great victory in his prayer regarding the Assyrians. He had another victory, we may say, in his prayer in the midst of his illness. But the last 15 years were not glorious years, and they really exposed something fundamentally defective in his character. And that defect really is the major subject of much of the fellowship in this message. If we understand that defect, then we can understand how a person can be godly, but not truly be a man of God, a God-man. Ron, that's exactly the portion we're going to go to now. Let's join Witness Lee for the first portion of our life study today from Isaiah. We come to four chapters, 36, 7, 8, and 9, concerning a person. Who was a king? Hezekiah. I believe all the readers of the Bible, they wonder why Isaiah inserted this part of his writing. It is quite evident that the uh, contents doesn't fit in. Why all of a sudden, now, in these short chapters, Isaiah spent so much to talk about one person's part of life. This is not all his biography, just a little part. Well, here we need an example. We need a model. Isaiah the writer had to give us an example. That is Hezekiah. I would uh, check with you. By reading these four chapters of a part of his uh, biography, just according to the record of these four chapters, what can person you would think he was? Probably you never think about it, right? Well, this is the way to study the Bible. I would say, in brief, he was a very hasty person. Was he a person? Uh, absolutely for God? Nothing for himself? What would you say? No. I would say, had he care, very, very selfish. How to prove it? When he did something wrong, he made a big offense that would cause him to lose the country and all the riches will be captured, and his sins even would be brought to Babylon to be the eunuch of the king of Babylon. When he heard this, he said, as long as in my time, in my years, as long as I have the peace, I have the kingship, that's okay. A selfish person. But, He's quite godly. I don't say he's a man of God. He's a God man. But I would say he's quite godly. 
he brought this thing, the trouble, to the Lord, and he prayed. Ron, this is the first significant insight from Witness Lee regarding Hezekiah. There's much that seems commendable in him. He received, at times, miraculous answered prayers, and he had victories in battle in the Lord. And generally, he was very good as a king. But Witness Lee asserts that though he was a godly man, he was not a man of God, a God-man. This may seem subtle, Ron, but what is the difference between being a godly man and a God-man? See, the words sound virtually the same. A godly man, a man of God. Uh, What's the difference? Well, we need to see beyond the attempt to make a distinction based upon word usage. To say that Hezekiah was a godly man means that he believed in God, he feared God, he honored God, he worshiped God, he prayed to God, He humbled himself before God. He was serious with God. So he was godly. He realized that the Lord rules and that he was a king because of the Lord's sovereignty. So he had what we may call a godly character in relation to God. But this is still quite different from a God-man or a man of God. What's the difference? Well, one can be godly and pious and even, quote, spiritual, fearing God and worshiping God, and still have quite a amount of self-interest, and therefore not really be one with God in a deep, intrinsic way. Moses was called a man of God. Moses was more than godly. Moses was a man saturated and permeated with God. Moses was a man whose self had been fundamentally broken by God. Moses was a man in the resurrection life of God. Moses was a man who could be trusted by God to carry out something quite crucial in relation to God's purpose. Hezekiah was godly, so God answered some of his prayers. But Hezekiah was not a man of God. He was not soaked and saturated with God. He was not intrinsically one with God. And ultimately, at the core, he was not for God and for God's interests, even though he was a king in God's kingdom. This element of selfishness and self-interest and the defects that issue from it cause us to come to this conclusion that although Hezekiah was godly, He was too much for himself to qualify as a man of God, and surely not a God-man. Well, Ron, we've mentioned uh, the prayers that Hezekiah had answered by the Lord. Let's join Witness Lee. We're going to look at a couple of those specifically. God exercised two kinds of chastisements. One is the uh, praise from the king of Assyria. He threatened Hezekiah that he, the king of Assyria, would come to take it over. That was a real threat to Hezekiah. Then Hezekiah, after receiving all these words, he went to God. He offered a very good prayer. And then God answered that prayer. 
And God did a big, one of the big miracles in the history of human race. That is, right away that night, God sent his angel to kill all the 185,000 soldiers in one night. But after he got this miraculous deliverance, he got mortal illness. Then Isaiah came and told him, you have to die. Then he prayed. He prayed a very good prayer. And God heard that prayer, and God answered that prayer. And Isaiah came to tell him that God would prolong his life 15 years. Now this number 15 is too, too meaningful to me. You know, according to Hezekiah's prayer, by then, he was a middle-aged man. Why God wouldn't give him a longer time? If I were God, I would give him 30 years. <laughs> because uh, 70 years of age is the uh, common thing. But God gave him 15 years. God <laughs> gave Hezekiah a kind of bargaining number. And this means that Hezekiah was not a very safe person to carry out God's purpose. So God didn't give him more years, just 15. After these 15 years, you have to be fired. Ron, we've seen that following this victorious battle, Hezekiah is taken with a mortal illness. Yet in his very good prayer, he succeeds in persuading the Lord to extend his life. This seems marvelous, yet there are windows that are exposed in his prayer that uh, let us see just what kind of person Hezekiah is, weren't there? Especially in his prayer regarding his illness. He desperately wanted to be made well, and he prayed in a God-honoring way to a certain extent. But... The focus was himself. For someone who is really a God-man and really consecrated to God, there eventually is in that person's prayer what I would call a certain self-abandonment. When you reach the level of self-abandonment, you tell the Lord, don't do what's best for me. Lord, do what's best for you. Do what's best for your purpose. If it's best for you that I go to you now, then let me go in peace. But if it's best for you and for your people and for your move on the earth that I remain for a period of time, then may I remain. Sorry to say, there was a definite element of self-interest and self-love and self-preservation in Hezekiah's prayer for healing. And God was merciful, and God took into account Hezekiah's faithfulness in praying during the time of the Assyrian invasion— And God allowed him another 15 years. So we need to go beyond the surface of what appears to be a very godly and pious prayer to see is there any element of self there, any element of self-interest. These are windows that show us a glimpse of Hezekiah's inner being and cause us to conclude that although he was godly, he was not a man of God. 
Ron, let me ask you an aside here, and that is the significance of this specific time period that the Lord granted him as an answer to the prayer. The 15 years is somewhat uh, meaningful, isn't it? I think it is. The 15 years may indicate that Hezekiah was not that useful in the, the Lord's hands, that if he had been allowed to remain too much longer, he would have caused more damage to God's interests. So almost there was a kind of uh, understanding that, okay, Hezekiah, you will not get what you really have in your heart to get, but you won't get zero either, that I can grant you something in between as a testimony of love and mercy to you, but also as a testimony that your time on the earth has to be limited because of the effect of your way upon my interests. Coming up in this final section is what took place during that 15-year period, regardless of why or how long it was. It is a significant period of time in the history of God's move on the earth, and it was affected directly by Hezekiah. Let's join Witness Lee. This king, according to his prayer, he was quite wise with a sober mind. But he did a foolish thing when the Babylonian visitor came with a little gift. And he would open up all his houses, all his treasures, whatever he had, he showed that person. That is the accumulation of David's treasure, of Solomon's treasure. Surely they, that was quite rich. That was quite rich. I would think that became eventually the temptation of Nebuchadnezzar to come over to rob all these riches. And that was transpired after 150 years. So Hezekiah made a big mistake. Why he didn't pray about it? Why he didn't consider about it? If he would, surely he would not do that. Don't forget, Babylon is not your real friend. Babylon is your enemy. Sooner or later, Babylon will come to destroy you. You be careful. By this you could see he was a hasty person. He was not that godly, and he was not that considerate, that careful, and he was not that much for God's kingdom, even that much for his family. He was altogether just for himself. Eventually, that was the reason why God only gave him 15 years. If God gave him 10 years, probably that Babylonian visitor would not come yet. The more years you gave to such a person, the more trouble he will make. So eventually, just in those 15 years, he made a big mistake to cause the kingdom of God on this earth lost. Such a man became a failure. Then how about us? So Isaiah gave us this pattern. Look at this, how good Hezekiah was. But eventually this man failed. This man failed because of his self-glory and self 
interest. He's full of cells, and he just cannot restrict that. So he, the selfish person, came out, and he made a big mistake. Then he was found. Finally, Ron, Hezekiah makes a tremendous mistake in judgment and also gives us a view into what was really occupying his heart. This ultimately resulted in God suffering the loss of his kingdom on earth for a time. What are the factors that led to this kind of monumental failure by Hezekiah? Let's recall the incident briefly. Visitors or emissaries came from Babylon, and when they came... Hezekiah showed them his armory, he showed them his treasury, and so many things, virtually everything, in his dominion. Two defects, at least, are exposed here. One is self-glory. Hezekiah was making a display of what he had. Another thing was that he was not considerate and he was not careful. There's no indication that he sought the Lord. Really, he was not a God-man. He was not a man of God in this instance. He was not one with the Lord. So he acted in a hasty way. And later the prophet came and questioned him, asking, Who are these people and what did you show them? And Hezekiah had to admit he exposed everything. And that exposure made the kingdom of God vulnerable to attack and became a temptation to the emissaries from Babylon who would no doubt report what they had seen to the king. So the self is here in its carelessness, the self is here in its haste, and the self is here in its vainglory. But this is small in comparison to what was exhibited of Hezekiah's self upon hearing the word from the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah prophesied that this wealth would be taken away to Babylon. As we indicated earlier, Isaiah also prophesied that some of Hezekiah's sons would be taken to Babylon. Instead of reacting in horror, instead of being grieved, that he had contributed to this by his folly, Hezekiah said, well, at least there won't be a problem during my time. This shows a reckless disregard for God's interests. It shows a lack of human feeling toward his own sons, and it especially exhibits a very pronounced self-interest and self-love and self-contentment. So you look back upon his godly prayers, and they were godly, and upon his faithfulness to God at a certain time, and he was faithful. But the self and the selfishness in Hezekiah were never broken through, were never dealt with. This is why he never became, in our view, a man of God, a God-man. And so the impression we have of him at the end was that he was a king in the kingdom of God who was more for himself than he was for God's interests. No wonder the Lord had to limit his time lest he cause even more damage to God's kingdom. This is very enlightening. We should 
apply the principle to our own situation in relation to the Lord and ask the Lord, Am I like Hezekiah? What kind of person am I in your sight? Lord, I don't want to be merely a godly person and not be a person of God, not be a God-man. Lord, don't let me end up as Hezekiah ended up, exhibiting the self and ending really in failure and in exposure. So this is a great light here in helping us discern between a so-called godly person who is for God on the surface, but for the self in the depths, and a man of God, a God-man, who is for God outwardly because he is one with God intrinsically. Ron, I remember this message in 1990 when Witness Lee spoke it. I remember the light that shone at that time. I believe you and I together have an earnest prayer that that same light would accompany these words and these radio waves as they reach the seekers of God. This is a valuable word. For Ron Kangas today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this program. For more information on Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, please visit our website, lsm.org. Again, that's lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.